Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, February the 13th, 2024. It is currently 10 12 a.m. Central Time. I was about to say 1021. 1012 a.m. Central Time. And I am coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I know over the past few days, most of all the broadcasting that I've really done has been updates about the future of this podcast and how that relates to, well, That very unpleasant subject, money. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to hear about it. You don't want to think about it. You don't want to hear anyone else asking for money. I am very aware of all of that. But at the same time, I had to give some kind of update because I know that if you just, well, I can't, maybe I think the number would be bigger than it actually would be, but I feel that if you just wake up one day and Theology Central is deleted from, you know, the internet and it's nowhere to be found, then I'm going to start receiving lots of emails and lots of phone calls asking what happened. Maybe, maybe that number will be much smaller than I think. But the point is I would have to sit there and start trying to answer all of the emails. And then people will be like, well, why didn't you tell anybody? And then it would be like this all back and forth. So I've, I've started at the end of 2023, letting everyone know, Hey, we got some challenges. We got some challenges we're trying to work through. And then as now that we made it to February of 2024, well, those challenges have become full-blown problems. As I've stated, we have kind of two separate issues we're dealing with. One deals with the future of Victory Baptist Church. And of course, that would have dramatic impact on, well, the podcast. So how, and then, and then we have the issue of the podcast itself and how we're going to fund it and, and, and can it be supported and, and all of those different things. I have gone through, I'll, I have spent basically two days taking every cost cutting measure I can primarily for the church and then for the podcast itself. And I've reduced it down to the bare minimum of almost everything. And so This is kind of a quick update, but this is what's going to happen. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you a very, very quick update. And then what's interesting is I subscribe to all kinds of mailing lists from different ministries, right? All all the time. I'm receiving all kinds of things. So in the midst of us, well, talking about money, I get an email from a ministry that has an article about the future of ministry, the future of ministry across the United States of America, maybe even globally. And the future of ministry, according to this article, well, it's going to be shaped possibly by financial issues. So that I thought was interesting. And a number of emails I've received from people have also identified that their churches are also struggling somewhat financially. So maybe there's something going on here and maybe we need to have, you know, these more important conversations, deeper conversation, more than just about this ministry, maybe about your church and the ministries that you support. Maybe there's lots of ministries right now starting to feel like, wait, something's happening here and this is not a good thing. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. You know, you know, when you just kind of get a little bit of evidence, you don't want to draw some, you know, grand conclusion. 
but it is something that we may want to have some conversations about moving forward. And that's what we're going to do. So a quick update. And then we're going to look at this article that was sent to me. And uh, well, we're going to talk about, well, what, what does the future of ministry look like? Because I'm always doing that, right? I'm always talking about what is the future going to look like for the church? Where is the church headed? Maybe one of the things that's going to greatly impact where the church is headed is going to come down to that really, really unpleasant subject, which is money. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Here is the latest update. First of all, thank you to every single person who have re- has reached out to me. This has been a much better, <laughs> a much better situation than when I started talking about this in 2023. When I started talking about it in 2023, I really started getting depressed and discouraged because there were, there weren't that many emails coming in. All right. There weren't that many emails coming in. And I was kind of like, well, you know, hey, buddy, take a hint. All right. <laughs> take, she's not calling you back. Okay. It's time to move on. It was kind of like, okay, no one out there, <laughs> no one out there cares. I, you take the hint and move on. But I'm glad I mentioned it again because this time, Lots of encouraging emails. And also, what has been great, a lot of you have now gone to either theologycentral.net and hit the donate tab, or you've used the Church One app or the Sermons 2.0 app and you hit the give tab. And that is very encouraging. Most of you who have decided to give are doing $20, which is perfect. Remember, what I was hoping for is to find 20 people who would give $10 a month. Because then we're, I mean, anything over, once you get to 20 people giving $10 a month, we're pretty much set. And anything over that really goes to eliminate uh, even more problems, right? It fixes the church problem. It could fix the podcast problem. It could fix everything. So, you know, if we could get, you know, 20 people giving $10, it'd be great. Now, every, uh, the giving kicked off with the first person who she has been listening to me since... I don't even remember how many years. It's probably been, it's probably been 15 years. I don't know. It's been crazy. She rediscovered that I was on the air and, uh, because I it disappeared for a number of years. And then when I came back, she didn't know. And then she, she rediscovered just recently and, uh, she sent $50. Now she sent $50. And it was sacrificial giving. And so I feel really bad about that. I did email them back and say, hey, if you're going to give in the future, let's reduce your 50 to 20. And then hopefully we can reduce your 20 to 10. And then maybe we can, you know, maybe then we can reduce it to zero. But it's just amazing that that's sometimes how it works. It's the person who can't give, who gives. It's the person who... They want the podcast to be there for everyone, and they're willing to sacrifice to help. So that that $50, obviously, well, it, it basically helps pay for this entire month of broadcasting. So thank you. So I thanked them, and I and I am and and then. I'm asking them to reduce it to 20 next month. And if they, and if they don't, I'm going to, I'm going to send them a refund. Okay. I'm going to send them a refund because uh, no, we're not, we're not going to, I'm not going to, I don't want anyone to sacrifice. I don't want any, I wouldn't want to have to sacrifice to give. I don't want it to be any, I don't want to hurt anyone in any way, shape or form. So that kind of kicked it off. Now, remember the way we went through the timeline, the first email came in was before I even, I even knew that there was, the problem was as bad as it was. So someone sent 20, then I got the 50. And then this morning, there's a number of you who sent $20. Now, if, 
if we get 10 people giving $20, then, then we're, then we're, we're right there. We're, we're right there. Now, what I would like to do is get 20 people giving 10 because then that's less for everyone. And then, you know, but, uh, you know, hey, if we could get, you know, people giving five, you know, that would be great. That would be great. Five, 20, you know, whatever the case may be. It should be small amounts is what it should be. It should be small, 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 small. So then it's not a burden on any one person. That That's what it should be. Like the, the more people, the smaller each gift can be. And then nobody really feels any significant pain or suffering or sacrifice. That's what it want, wants to be. So we're getting, we're getting pretty close to 10 people at $20 a month. We're, we're, we're pretty close to that. We're pretty close to 10 people at 20. I think we're maybe, at, I think we're at six or seven now. And I'm assuming that that means they're going to give 20, uh, <laughs> next month and then month after that, hopefully. Or they reduce it to ten, but yeah, if 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 we can just move a, just a couple of more, then we're really we're really right there. So I I, th- I feel I'm feeling hopeful this morning that at least as far as the podcast is concerned, I'm hope I'm hopeful that everything will move forward. Now, obviously, what I would love is is to be able to bring in a little for the podcast and a little goes to the church that will help the church, and then you maintain both, and then that's just a win for everyone everyone and that just that just that just makes it better for everyone the podcast is connected to a church the money then doesn't come to a personal bank account it goes to a church account where there you know i don't you know i'm not in control of the money that just seems much more that just seems better for everyone that just seems better for everyone but we will see we will see um in the next 2 to 4 weeks we're going to know but thank you so much for the the most responses ever when dealing with this, the last, like I said, in 2023, I was starting to think <laughs> uh, it's 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 over. But now I, I'm looking. I, it's looking. It's looking much better. It's looking much better. So we will see. And if we can just a couple of more people, and then we're, we're kind of right there, and then we're moving forward. So you know, I, and 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 I, I am grateful. Like I said, one person sent me a. A link to a ministry out there that tries to help pay for uh, ministries to broadcast who can't pay, but uh, you know I I I I I just can't do that. I can't do that, and the reason I can't is you can't be the host of a podcast that is in the top five percent of all podcasts in the world. You have you know you're fast approaching probably a million downloads and streams. And then you need someone to help you. I like you, you need some ministry to help pay. No, that's where the people who supposedly are benefiting from this, they will determine how much benefit they're actually getting from it. And if they're getting anything from it, they'll help support it. And if they're not getting any, if they don't feel like they're getting enough from it to support it, then it will go away. And guess what? I'll be happy with that. And life will move on. I mean, that's that's just the way you have to. I'm not going to have someone else sacrificing, you know, no, because there would be some ministry who doesn't even listen to this podcast supporting this for all the listeners. No, that's not the way it should work. That's not the way it should work. Those who benefit. They should be the ones who decide if they want to support what they're and if they're not benefiting, then that's. Hey, I completely understand. If you don't, if you're not benefiting from this, then by no, by all means, move on. Go find you a one that, go find a broadcast where you will benefit. So that's what's going on here. The future here 
is at least much more hopeful than it was on Sunday, okay? Because on Sunday, I'm like, it's the end, okay? So it is, it, it's more, we'll put it this way. It's more hopeful for the podcast. The other situation, I'm not sure yet. I need numbers. I need, I need a, I need a printout where I know exactly what we're looking at. But this is a little bit more hopeful. And if that is the case, then I'm going to try to do my best to continue to provide what I can. So let's do this. The future of this podcast, obviously, it is impacted by money. Well, I have an article here. I have an article here entitled, here's the name of the article, Is Modern Church Leadership Tilting Toward Bivocational Ministry? Is Modern Church Leadership Tilting Toward Bivocational Ministry? This arrived to me because I subscribed to Sermon Central, uh, where they send out articles and things uh, related to ministry. And this was sent out on February the 12th, 2024, I think right after I did my broadcast, it has been viewed 23,000 times and it has uh, correct, uh, currently four and a half stars because people can uh, rate the articles. So this has de- definitely generated a little bit of, a little bit of attention. And they're asking the question, is modern church leadership tilting towards bivocational ministry? Now, as someone who was bivocational for a very long time, all I can say is if ministry is tilting towards bivocational ministry, the people in the pew, you're going to have to start changing your expectations and you're going to have to start being more supportive because people in bivocational ministry they will ultimately destroy their lives for you. And rarely the people in the pew appreciate what is going on because I was bivocational and it was, and I would have told you at the time, I'm doing the Lord's work and I'm doing good things. And I, and, and I don't know what the, and, and, and I would have talked a big game, but you know what? I didn't see it at the time. I hurt my kids. I hurt my family. It was detrimental in every way possible. There's no way you can be working 40 plus hours a week in the United States military, basically working 40 plus hours a week, trying to just prepare sermons and deal with ministry stuff. And then to add on to that, I was almost working about 40 hours a week trying to broadcast and increase our ministry outreach by being on the, by recording podcast episode after podcast episode, trying to reach people outside of the church. So you're doing 40 in the military, 40 for the church and 40 for a broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. When, when do you sleep? When do you do anything? And, and I was teaching Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday. I mean, I've never stopped doing that. It was, it was a recipe for disaster. I did not see it at the time. And it was, I, I was a fool. I was not smart. I was moronic. I was dumb. I mean, I was, yeah, there was nothing smart about what I was. I would have told you that I, it's because of my great spiritual commitment, but I, 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 yeah. So I hope that's not where ministry is headed because it will have detrimental effect. I know sometimes people in the pew are like, well, what's the big deal? Well, I, I understand that, but man, get yourself on the other side of things. Well, you, you would see. And just as many times people in the pulpit can't relate to people in the pew. Here is the article. Let's see what they have to say here. Here we go. 
Are you ready? You may have noticed the world of ministry has changed because the world has changed. All right, now let's stop right there. Ministry has changed because the world has changed. Well, I think this is inevitable. I know the church likes to pretend that we are kind of an, you know, an island. We're not touched by anything outside of it. We're kind of this just, we're isolated. We're, you know, we're insulated. We're protected and, and, and that nothing can get in. But the point is the church is always impacted by the world. And as the world changes, the church changes as the, as what is happening in the world always infiltrates the church and changes the church or impacts the church in some level. Well, they're saying ministry is changing because the world has changed. No need for statistics and long drawn out ammo to persuade you. If you've been a concerned Christian or professional saint, you know things are shifting. Economically, the world is in turmoil and no one can balance a budget. Upward mobility is becoming a thing of the past and those under the age of 40 will most likely be the first generation to fail at out earning their parents. So according to them, hey, this is what's happening. This this new generation, they're not going to make more money than their parents. They're going to make less. And this may be the first generation where that has occurred because in past, the next generation would make more than the previous and then the next. Now we could argue, you know, how accurate is this? Is this, you know, we could, we could get into a discussion, but if this is the case, let's just take it face value as a, a hypothesis. If things are changing economically in the world, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to impact the church dramatically. What's the next paragraph? The economics of the world are deeply affecting the economics of the church in more ways than just money. Now, that's what I just said. Hey, the, the economics will impact the church. And they say in more ways than just money. Here we go. Because of the desperate focus on having or having or maintaining jobs, people move on average almost every five years to keep pace. In Denver alone, the average metro or suburban citizen moves every 18 months and thus churches have to operate based on the probability of losing many of their congregational members every few years, just like a college ministry, or let me say, like a military-based ministry, because that's a major thing that happened to us is we had lots of people come to the church and a lot of people leave because they left because they were moved. And that if, if just those military families would have been permanent members of my church, I, we wouldn't even be having a conversation about money. We wouldn't even be discussing it. We would be fine. We would be fine. Like, because I mean, like, like literally if, if we had Three more family. If we had just three more families, maybe even two more, maybe one more, one or two more families if we're attending our church and we're giving one, two, yeah, one to two would probably fix it. That we, we, we probably wouldn't even be having this conversation. Wouldn't even be a discussion. If, if we had three members, three, three families join our church that were giving. It would, it would be, it would be done. We wouldn't literally, we would be operating. Like, I don't know if you remember how I used to operate. We were, I was giving away books every time I could, I, I turn around. We were, we had, we had a digital curriculum that we were giving people access to for free. We were doing everything because, well, we, and then because in 2023, we lost, th th uh, well, 
probably, I guess you could kind of say four families uh, in 2023. Now, that wasn't because people move. My long gospel series <laughs> obviously had a negative impact on, on things. And then, uh, and then other teaching uh, led people out. And then some people left, and I don't know why they left. But uh, so that, that's kind of the way things go. But the point is, when you have a church that's constantly people are moving, and they're saying because of the economic situation, more and more people now move on a much regular basis, churches are constantly losing people because people are moving. And remember, we read an article not too long ago that says you basically have to, each year, you have to bring in 30 people every year just to maintain. That's not even growing. If you're bringing in 30 people a year, you're not even growing because you're going to lose at least 30 people every year. And you're going to lose 30 people. And a lot of times it is moving. A lot of times it's just because people don't, they don't like you do this and they don't like that you did this and you said this and they don't like this and they don't like that and they don't like this and they just, they're going to go move somewhere else and then after a while they're not going to be happy there and then after a while they're going to be complaining about something else and at some point, maybe one day people who always are upset, maybe they'll look at themselves, but that's a whole different sermon. That's a whole different podcast episode. Um, but the point is, with people constantly moving your church loses its stability, right? Because you need those families that they're going to be there week after week after week, month after month after month. And sadly, you know what you need from them? Not only to show up to the services, you need their monthly giving or their weekly giving because, well, that's how the church is sustained. Nobody likes it, but that's the way it works. So they're saying that, you know, people are moving. They go on to say, ministry, therefore, may not be able to be based on sustainability, but rather on pure, blind faithfulness to make disciples one by one. So they're saying it may be that now ministry is not going to be based on sustainability, but rather in just blind faithfulness, trying to make disciples, trying to make disciples. But see, that's, oh, I don't like how you link those together because you're like, hey, okay, we name, you may not be able to sustain your ministry anymore because you can't count on the people sitting there are going to still be there a year from now or two years from now. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go make disciples. But you see what that, what it, that is saying? You make disciples so that you have people in your church giving <laughs> so you can sustain. I don't like that. Making disciples and evangelism should not be about replacing people in your church so that you can sustain your church. See that, you see that fine line? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we need to do some evangelism. We need to bring a friend to church Sunday. We need to, we need to have these campaigns because we're trying to reach the city for Christ. Are you really trying to reach the city for Christ? Are you trying to fill those empty pews so that they will possibly give so that you then are sustained or that you are even better off economically than you were? You see how that, there's a fine line there. You can convince yourself you're doing it for evangelism. You're doing it for Jesus. You're doing it for God. But you may be doing it because you've seen the latest church budget and you're like, we're in trouble. I don't want to be bringing people into my church because we need to balance our budget. You want to be bringing people into church 
because you hope you're bringing people in who are excited to learn and that your church provides the best learning available. That That's the way I see it. I want my people to come to my church because we offer the best teaching anywhere on the planet. That's, I mean, I'm, you know, being somewhat arrogant, but I mean, I, I'll put it this way. We, I, I think I provide the best teaching in the way that we do it. We do it in a unique way, but that's what you want to try to do. But it's easy to get, I mean, that's, oh man, I don't like that. All right, they go on. Next paragraph. As people lose their sense of stability, security, and sustainability, their tendency is to move from generosity to scarcity. They simply won't give like they used to. At present, the average Christian gives to the church at the exact percentage non-believers give to charities. Just few are, okay, I'm going to read this again. So here's what happens. When the people start sensing things are not stable or secure or sustainable, they won't, it won't lead to more giving. Their giving is going to become more scarce, which is weird. They kind of see, oh, this is not looking good. They give less. That's kind of interesting. They says they simply won't give. At present, the average Christian gives to the church at the exact percentage non-believers give to charities, just fewer than 3%. So non-believers, about 3% of them or a little less than 3% give to charities. That, uh, so the same percentage works for the, in the church, that less than about 3% give. That, well, there's just no way. I, I, I don't know where those statistics come from. I, I, oh man, that would be. Now, maybe as a podcast, I can agree way less than 3% of our total numbers of, I mean, just you see today is February uh, the 13th. We're, I think, fast approaching 2000 downloads and streams on Church One Sermons 2.0. I, I don't know what we are in the other platforms, uh, but we probably are close to 5,000 maybe 6,000, maybe even close to 10,000 total downloads and streams in 13 days of this month. Okay, well, that represents a lot of people. Okay, way less than 3% give. So I definitely know how it deals with a a podcast. I don't know how that works out in the church. What's the percentage of people giving in church? The fact that that we're very much like non-believers is bad. That's bad. That's really bad because churches can't make it that way. They're just, they're not going to be able to be sustainable. It says, uh, culturally, those under 40 have shifted in their value sets. 50 years ago, one of the highest virtues was loyalty and people would give faithfully to the church, trusting the institution and the leaders to use the money wisely. And even if they didn't agree with a building fund or focus for the corporate finances, they would continue to give simply because they trusted the spiritual hierarchy, not any more. So they're saying a long time ago, even if people disagreed with something, they would keep giving. Where now if people start getting a little mad or they don't like something, or they're like, boom, I'm not, I'm not giving you any more money. I'm not giving you any more because sometimes the people in the pew, I think they, they almost feel like, I know they would never use these words, that they can hold the ministry of the church almost hostage. Like they can almost like, 
Hey, I've got, you need me. I don't need you. I can go to another church. You better please me or I'm going to leave. And that's, there's always a veiled threat. I'm going to leave and take my money. Well, yeah, you can. Or I'm just not going to give because I'm mad at you. I'm frustrated with you. I'm ticked off at you. Okay, well then, all right. And, and the money always follows. They're saying uh, in the past, people were more loyal. And even if they disagreed, they continued to give because they had some kind of trust in the institution where the younger generation doesn't trust the institutions. So therefore, they may not give right out of the gate. They go on to say, Today, today's believers are not loyal or blindly trusting. One of their highest value is meaning, and they will only give to what they see is making a visible difference or what they perceive will bring them meaning at a personal level. You may argue with this at a philosophical level, but you will not be able to fight it at a street level. So basically, people aren't going to give unless they feel it gives them some kind of meaning. Well, that's going to be very difficult to accomplish in a podcast. How can I do a podcast and try to give you some sense of meaning? I, I don't think I'm going to be able to accomplish it. I don't know. I, I can't even accomplish that as a church, especially the way I do church, because I'm not really there trying to give you meaning other than pointing you to Christ and, and to God. Hopefully that gives you meaning, but I'm here to, to, Hey, you're here. Now open up a notebook and let's jump in. We're going to, we're going to study. So, um, that's, that's an interesting development. They're only going to give if they feel a sense of meaning. You got to give them some sense of a meaning. Well, I wonder what, how that exactly is supposed to work. I, they go, and they say you can't even fight this at a philosophical level. They go, and people, even those inside the church, are exhausted at giving to boxes or buildings whose influence is waning. And they simply won't keep give to keep the lights on or pay the staff. They want to help real people with real needs. Remember, I've, I've been talking about this, right? So I've been even talking about this, that when I look at the whole church structure, how much money goes to that building, how much money goes to pay the staff versus what you're actually getting out of that box, out of that building. What they're saying is that's kind of the mentality a lot of people have now. They're like, you know what? I don't want to give money to that box. I don't want to give money to keep the lights on. I don't want to give money for that. I want to give it to real people with real needs. Now, the thing is, the people inside that box who's preaching and teaching and doing all, they're they're, they're trying to provide something for you. It's really amazing. You 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 can do a lot of things for people, right? You can... A pastor can be there. He can be doing counseling, marrying, all, all of these things. And, and it, it's just, there's just a mentality like, well, that's what you're kind of supposed to do. And you're like, yeah, but you do understand that if you don't give, this all goes away. The, the sermons go away. The building goes away. The, the, the someone to marry you goes away. Everything goes away. 
So it, it, but it is, I think, I think the younger generation definitely sees like, I don't know if I want to give money to keep that building open. And, and I look, I call into question the whole thing as well. I mean, I've talked about it before. For the amount of money to just keep our church operating, for that amount of money given directly to me, not going to pay for that building, I could produce, like if, if, if like, let's say the church didn't exist, the building's gone. No, so no more money about electric, we don't have to do anything with the building. It's just gone. It's done. No more upkeep, nothing. And all of that money was coming directly into my bank account, right? Now, of course, that, that raises all kinds of questions because then there's no oversight or no, you know, no guidance. But the point is, I could produce, I could probably produce four to five hours of content per day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I know I could put, I know I could produce three hours of content a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Seven days a week, three hours of content per day. I know I could pull that off. No, rarely, no church is usually going to come close to producing that kind of content. And I could do it for a fraction of, 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 of the cost. I, I mean, I, I mean, literally all the money that goes to the building would then come, you would, you would cover the podcast and then just, then any extra comes in would pay like my house payment. And then, then that, then that's it. That's it. You know, so that it's just, it's just crazy. And I do know many of these churches, the amount of money going just for the upkeep is insane. And, and I, and I remember I said this, this is funny that this article came out right now while we're having all of this conversation, because I've been talking about this even since last year that I felt a shift was happening, right? That, that, and I think COVID, I I think two things happened. Uh, The work, the work at home phenomenon that came out of COVID, right? Hey, people, there's all these people now like, I don't want to go back to work. I just want to work at home. Why do I want to go back to work? And a lot of companies going, well, wait a minute. The amount of money it takes to maintain this building and to pay for the rent, if we get rid of the building and we can get the same level of work done while people working at home, we just saved ourselves countless amount of money, right? And so that that, that when that's happening in the culture, then you know people are going to be like, well, wait a minute. Why are we paying all that money for that church building? I remember we started talking about the that I didn't know if it was going to take off, but there's a few of these ministries that have kind of gone just to become an online church. Just an online church. You basically become a member of an online church. You send your tithes to the online church. Now, people, I know older people are like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. That's ridiculous. I've got to go to a physical building where I can drink coffee and have donuts. How, I mean, come on. Okay. All right. So, but the younger generation are like, no, I, this, this is the way it should be. Now, now, I, is that, I don't know if that's where things are going to go, but they're saying that now we've reached a level where the next generation is like, we're not, I'm not going to give to keep the box open. I'm not going to keep, uh, give to keep the lights on. Well, if people are becoming less and less likely to give to just keep the lights on <laughs> or pay the staff, you, you, you realize we're in trouble. Okay. The next, the next, the next, uh, paragraph. These rough seas brought about by the winds of global change are going to keep blowing and the collective unconscious and conscious atmosphere 
values and ethos for practical living and kingdom building have been forever changed. Black and white is now gray. Generosity, faithfulness, kingdom impact, and God's design for building his church are now vast question marks with unlimited opportunities. Those who navigate well will not only survive, but thrive in the new world. So they try to turn it into a positive thing. Hey, this is going to be a mess. Everything is changing, but if you can figure it out, you could thrive. Well, I definitely haven't figured it out, right? I'm just trying to navigate it. But up to, up to really 2023, I've never had any serious problems, right? Up to 2023, I mean, I, it's always been like, hey, okay, how much, how much can I give? Okay, can I give books to people? I, hey, do you need a Bible dictionary? Do you need a Bible encyclopedia? Let us buy you one. You need this. Let us, let's, oh, let, I mean, I can't tell you how many books this, my little church in the middle of nowhere, Texas, with basically no money, was sending people Bible dictionaries, Bible handbooks, doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. Trying, I literally providing digital curriculum for people, trying to do everything. But then at some point I woke up one day and I'm like, really, I can't keep doing all of this because now things are getting a little tight. And then, then the next thing was, okay, now we're more than a little tight. Oh, I got, I got to start cutting back. And then all of a sudden I go to church past Sunday and I'm like, well, hey, we don't know if we can pay your house payment anymore. Okay. Wait, wait, what just happened? Wait, what, what, what is going on? We've got more going out than coming in. In other words, this is not sustainable. Okay. Well, that's the, that's the possible beginning of the end. So like it, I've watched this slow transition and it's, it's not, it's not good. I don't, I don't know if I, I can navigate it. They go on to say this. In 2013, the Carnival cruise ship, the Triumph, lost power off the coast of of the uh, of, uh, of the, well, they lo- I'm not going to get into all the, the locations here. They gave too much information here, not because I, we don't need to get into all of that. Uh, but they basically lost power, and the voyage for consumers who had hoped for a beautiful, restful, and enjoyable cruise turned into a nightmare as they had to be towed over a week's time back to Alabama. So here's the Carnival cruise ship. You probably remember this in 2013. They're off the coast of, of, of a peninsula. Then the next thing you know, they lose, they lose power and, uh, they, they have to be towed back and that cruise turns into a nightmare. The toilet stopped, the air conditioning failed, the food spoiled, and the travelers realized that their dream vacation was not worth a penny, let alone the thousands they had spent. This is a picture of the failing consumer church, large, medium, and micro forms. Yes, there will always be churches that seem to be avoiding all these shifts. Churches that sh- that show growth based on an old measurement and who seem to be growing both numerically and financially. But don't be fooled. Right? Hey, there's always going to be these churches that seem to go against this, but don't be fooled. Something is deeply happening here and we, we've got to wake up. We, in a sense, they're saying in a, from a financial standpoint, the church is possibly losing power and it's going to have to be towed back to Alabama. All right. So here we go. It says wise leaders. Look beyond these occasional success stories and instead st- stare honestly at the undeniable trends. 
and seasons of economic struggle, what always occur is a growing chasm between the haves and the have-nots. As church attendance declines nationally, and as we fail on a global scale to see new disciples made, megachurches and growing churches are tasting what could be the last wave of transfer growth before the reality of this trend hits home. Now, what is significant about that? This is very important. They are claiming that the megachurches have grown over all of this time due to transfer growth, meaning you have smaller churches and the people see the next big, shiny, happy thing and they run off to that. That thing goes through a, a, a time of growth, and they're, 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 but they keep, they keep being fed by other churches. They keep being fed by other churches. Right? I, there, there's a church in my area that has been fed more by my church probably than anything else. Okay, I, I don't know. I'd have to look at their numbers. But the point is, a lot, a lot of my people have gone there. All right, well, that's great for them, but that's transfer growth. Well, there's going to come a time there's not going to be any more transfer growth because if church, if church attendance is declining, church membership is declining, and people are leaving the church— well, you're not going to have any transfer growth to get from. You're, you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to take from the other churches because the other churches are going to be closing their doors. So that that's, that's interesting. They go on to say, um, let's see here. Regardless of the size of the ship you serve in, calculating leaders must adjust to the trends. The Western church's business model, based on the expectation of growth, optimism, and the promise of financial blessing, has proven to be a consumer nightmare. We've tried to attract people with safety for our kids, hand sanitizers in every hallway, programs, preaching and worship that look more like a carnival theater night. And what have we gotten for all of our spiritual, and what have we gotten for all, uh, for all our spiritual protection and provision? A harbor full of drifting ships who have lost power and are quickly losing the return cons- uh, customers who, who thought would always stay with us. Many churches are leveraged to the max and the engines are uh, decelerating at best or have totally shut down at worst. Like the tugboats that slowly pull the massive vessels back to port, God has not abandoned ship, but is pulling us back for a serious retrofit. So they're saying, hey, most of the churches, hey, the consumers are not coming back. You gave them all of this stuff and they're moving on. They're moving on. They're moving on. And the, and that many churches are leveraged to the max and, and well, their, their engines are starting to shut down and they're, they're going to be in trouble. They're going to be in trouble. Now, again, sometimes these articles are written and maybe they're too, too alarmist. Maybe they're too exaggerating the problem too much. But I, I've been saying this for a long time. Something is changing. 
we, we have these books about the de-churching and I know there's always argument. Well, the numbers aren't that bad. I know I get articles about how many denominations and our d- denominations losing these, this many churches are shutting down. I know we keep seeing this, but then you can, but, it, but it, at sometimes we see the statistics, but we may not see the reality yet. The key is we may not see the reality yet. Now, I think many more churches are starting to see the reality. Something's happening. I don't know if we see it like it's truly visible yet, but it may be still under the surface and little by little, it's it's going to become a problem and churches are going to have to figure out what, what they're going to do. They go on to say, they go on to say this, um, we need a new model of disciple making, a new model of doing church, a new vision for our lives and what our money and time can accomplish. Now, again, I don't like saying we need a new vision to make disciples because what that seems to tell me, we need a new vision to find people who can sustain what we have here. And I don't like, I, I, I hate that. I, I, I know that there's that fine line. Yeah, we need it. We want to make disciples. But we can't view those disciples as people who are going to help sustain the ministry because they're going to become disciples and they're going to start attending and they're going to start giving. Yeah, oh, that's just so, that treats people as a commodity. That treats people as a, as a tool. That, t- that treats people as a means to an end. And I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. But it, it's easy for a church to, to fall into that way of thinking. They say by the year 2025, America will be as unchurched as the rest of the Western world. By the year 2025, America will be as unchurched as the rest of the Western world. As a consultant to church plants, megachurches, traditional churches, denominations, parachurches, and mission agencies, the most conservative advice I can give you is to tell you that the old is passing away. So so this person is a consultant who tries to help churches and what they're saying based on what they're seeing. Hey, look, the old is gone. It's gone. The old is gone. You're going to have to start coming up with something new. The old way is over. It's done. And, and, and that if 2025, we're, we're, ladies and gentlemen, you do realize we're, we're fast approaching 2025. Meaning that according to this, churches are not going to be growing. The people around you are going to be more and more unchurched. They don't go to church. They don't belong to a church. Now that's not saying anything about their spirituality or their belief system. People are leaving the traditional church. They're not supporting it. And the people in it, I think, are becoming more and more readily. I think they're becoming more discontent. I think they're becoming more and more like, give me what I want. Gone are the days when a young man or woman can graduate from Bible school or seminary and find a great church to go work for. Like a man uh, caught in high winds, people are being hurled into the unknown without any vision or practical skills for how to follow God and lead people. Will the real church please stand up? But despite all this negativity, there is a silver lining. The church, at least the real one, 
that God is building is not just the buildings, the structure, the program, the paradigm. The church is the people of God. And what that means is that all of us, both paid and unpaid, are filling the pain together. Now, see, that sounds good, but please note even here, here's a church consultant. Well, you know, the real church, it's not a building. Well, that sounds great. But the more you keep saying that, then the people are not going to support the building. And then the building is not going to exist. Now, I know I know what people are thinking. Well, I can get all of these sermons online and I can get all of this teaching online. Yeah. What happens when all the churches go away? Because most of that teaching is coming from churches. Now, you may want to think that all of those pastors are going to run home and turn on microphones and just teach you and make sure that you got everything you want. But they're going to need money then to do that. (laughs) They may want to actually get paid for spending hour after hour in front of a microphone. I know that sounds crazy, but they may actually want to be paid for all of their time and effort. So even if it changes... Like, like you can keep emphasizing, hey, the church is God's people. It's not a building. Okay. The issue is less people are attending the buildings and people are now more inclined not to be worried about supporting the building and they don't care if the building goes away. I mean, same thing, the same thing happens, right? I mean, we've, we've seen this, we've seen this mentality happen right in front of our very eyes, right? There was a time people went to stores. Right. That's why you have malls closing down across the United States of America. There's an entire documentary about the closing of the malls and these malls that used to be the, the, you know, the social, you know, hub for, you know, younger generation hanging out in malls and everybody going to the mall, going to the mall, going to the mall. Those malls are now abandoned and empty. Why? Because people are sitting at home ordering via their phone to have it shipped to their front door through Amazon. So that goes away. And then people are like, man, I miss the days when I could go to the store. No, do you really miss the days? Maybe, maybe in a nostalgic way, you miss the days, but sooner or later, the stores are gone. They're gone. They're not going to be there because everything's going to be shipped to someone's house. Well, when that's happening right there, I, I don't want to go to a grocery store. I have my groceries delivered. I'm not going to go d- look for this or this or this. I'll order it in Amazon. I'm not going to go to a bookstore. I'll get my book. As, as that happens, you know, you, 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 we would have to be foolish not to think that at some point someone's going to be like, well, then if I don't have to go anywhere else to get anything, then why drive to go get a sermon? I can get it online. <laughs> And if, if you remember now, now sacramental churches, churches that hold to sacraments, meaning that they can only partake of those sacraments and the church, the church has the power, like, you know, the sacraments have to be done a certain way. Well, then the church is still going to be very important, right? But in, in many evangelical and Protestant worlds, we, we kind of destroyed that. We, even, even if we recall them ordinances, remember, I don't know if you remember the trend. There were article after article about how you could have the Lord's Supper at home by yourself. You didn't need the church. Hey, you can, you know, then they start, instead of having pastors baptize people, they would have someone's father baptize them or a husband baptize the wife. And then now people who are not even ordained in ministry are baptizing. Well, at that point, then people are like, I don't need the church. I can do the Lord's Supper by myself. And I, if I need to baptize someone, I'll just, I don't even need the church. 
And now inevitably that's that, that look what is happening. So they, they go on to say this. The questions for some are how do we keep our churches alive, sustainable, vibrant, and open to God's voice? Now, when they say open to God's voice, you know, better be open to scripture because you know God's not talking to us any other way, but okay. The questions for others are how am I to live? How can I live after God that my children will want to follow and emulate? How do I play a role in God's kingdom and when I can't stand going to church? Now, do you hear that? All right. So for those in the church, maybe us pastors and people in ministry, we're going to be focusing on how do I keep the church alive? How do I sustain this? How do I keep this podcast going? How, what do I do? And they're saying that the people in the pew, they've got different questions. They don't care about sustaining it. They don't care about your podcast. They don't care about the church. They don't care. This is what they're asking. How am I to live? How can I live after God that my children will want to follow and emulate? How do I play a role in God's kingdom when I can't stand going to church? More and more people can't stand going to church. They don't like it. They don't like the institution. They don't like how political it's become. They don't like anything about it. It seems something archaic. It seems out of date. It seems redundant. It seems a waste of time. It seems like, why am I getting dressed in the morning to get in a car and go drive to a place, sing a few songs, and hear a sermon when I could have already listened to that sermon or a sermon like it, maybe even a sermon better than it, on my way driving to church on my phone? Yeah, it, it does. It, 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 that's going to be the question. Then they go on to the next paragraph. I could go on with many more honest questions, but suffice it to say that that everyone, at least those who truly care about Jesus and his kingdom movement, should care about the church. Now he said, no, everyone should care about the church. Well, okay. If everyone should care about the church, all right. Now, you've already argued before that the church is not a building, so... When you say care about the church, what, 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 what are you referencing here? They go on to say this. During my sabbatical in 2013, my 19-year-old daughter asked me what I was thinking about uh, doing after 25 years of being a pastor. I admit, I was, I was wiped out and would have loved to call, call, call for a sub or just tap out for a while, and she sensed it. So, Dad, are you thinking of leaving our church? Well, everything is on the table, so maybe I responded. To my surprise, she said in an anger, ang- angrily, Dad, you have to keep pastoring and leading us. I've, I've now seen other churches and uh, I'm around other Christians all the time who hate their churches and are barely making it spiritually. So, you know, there's that. A lot of people do that, right? When you, when you say, that's it, I'm done. They're like, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. You can't be. You can't be. You can't be. You can't be. Well, if you don't want it to go away, you gotta be there. You got. It's gotta be. It's there's gotta be some way to sustain it. But the point is, why do so many people hate their churches? Why do so many people hate their churches? Then she goes on to say. Uh, then she go. She went on to ask. Do you know how differently we? How different we are? How unique our people and our story is? Did any of my friends, both Christian and especially the ones that aren't? 
would love our church. In fact, we need our type of church to take over the world. With that one 10-minute conversation, I was hooked again. But what does that mean for me and maybe you to work with God in building his church in a world that seems so unattracted to our church ways? If God were to shine bright through his people, uh, his church, what would it cost me or us? Yes, there will always be churches that expand through transfer growth and that can keep their pastors paid and their church folks happy and safe. But what about the rest of us who no longer are content to simply exist in the religious zone? What about those of us who can't play the game anymore, who don't want to keep consumer Christian happy? What what will it truly cost if we take Jesus' words seriously, and I mean all his words, is it possible that Jesus has a plan for us? Now, look, I, I, I doubt that me and this author would agree on much, but I do agree with that. I, I'm, I've been tired of playing the game for a pretty much my entire ministry. I'm tired of playing the game. I hate the church game. I hate it. I don't want to keep consumers happy. I'm not there to try to please you and give you what you want. I No, I am so sick of... That's one of the freedoms of a podcast, Right? And a church, you got all of this overhead and you got to pay for the building. You got this and you've got to have a certain number of people right there. And a podcast, you're a little bit more lean, right? You, you, you don't need as much. You just need a small group of people who will be like, okay, all right, you tick me off sometimes and I don't always like you, but I see what you're trying to do. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep you going because, because I think it's, you can, you have a better chance of surviving that way, right? So in a podcast, you can turn on the microphone and you can boom, you can say what needs to be said. You can be blunt. You can, because you, you know, you know, if someone gets offended, they get offended, but hopefully you've got that small group to keep you going. Where the church, it's always this balancing act like, oh, no, 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 don't leave, don't leave. Oh, no, they just left. Okay, well, that's going to be a, oh, no, another person just left. Oh, man, what am I doing? Okay, 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 okay. Don't, don't say anything. Okay. Let's just, let's just do, let's just do devotional messages for the next year. I got to keep these people happy. Well, I've, I've, I have been horrible at doing it. I can't play the consumer game. And I definitely don't like the phone calls where I get the, 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 basically the threat. Well, I'm not really liking what you're doing. Uh, I know what that means. You're, you're, you're going to leave. Okay. So if I please you, you'll, you'll stick around. Okay. What? Oh, I can't stand that. So the church has a whole, it's a whole different ball game because your, your salary may be attached to it. You got to pay your bills. The church has bills, man. You've got to, you got to keep pleasing people. And it's such a horrible game. I can't stand it. I can't stand the game. Like I, I cannot stand it. And so then, then after a while, you just get into a rut where, you know what? Just give the people what they want. It's not worth the headaches. It's not worth the letters or the emails where they're like, pastor, you should do this. And pastor, I don't like this. And pastor, I don't like that. And you just, you know what? You know what? It's not worth it. You, you almost just want to say, hey, guys, you write my sermon and I'll preach it for you. So this person at the same time was, is tired of all of that, tired of the games. Well, there's supposedly other people are tired of the games, but the, 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 you know, at least for me, all the people who are supposedly tired of the games don't live in Texas. Okay. Because if they did, I would hope my church is the opposite of all of those games. I mean, did you hear what we did Sunday? I mean, give me a break. 
<laughs> right? Everyone had a Bible dictionary and we're looking up things dealing with biblical geography and an impromptu geographical lesson, okay? So, yeah, I mean, that, that that's not normal. So, but the point is, what what's left for us? Now, he goes on to say, because he wants to turn this into a positive thing, I would not only answer with a wholehearted yes, but I would also say that maybe Jesus is glad we're finally feeling enough pain to look up and ask hard questions and turn to him for answers. I believe that currents of change are helping us drift towards his design for our lives in the church. A true change always begins with some struggle before harmony sets in. God's mission is not dependent upon the things we think it is. It never has been. And once we acknowledge this and recalibrate, I believe we will also find a creative new story that not only feels better at a life level, but also makes sense to people who are trying to find God in the good news. Jesus meant to set us free, which also means he meant to free the church, but we must follow him as we challenge us at the level of the wallet. As Jesus plainly said, you cannot serve both God and money, and thus every aspect of our faith, fears, plans, dreams will be challenged at this basic level. Currency is the control switch of both building his kingdom and building our own kingdoms. And the leaders of God's evolving church will be those who can lean into the tension and find a pure path through it all. If we don't track the ways of his, of the, of his kingdom, if we don't open ourselves we will fi- soon find ourselves dwindling under the hot sun and a quiet, drifting, fruitless void. It's time to accept that change and have Jesus teach us anew how to lighten the load of these other kingdoms and have them leverage us to the hilt. All right, now there's a little bit more here. So there, there, now he's trying to make it positive. But he's like, things are changing. Times are changing. And uh, uh, and it's going to come down to you can't serve two masters, right? So how is it going to work? He, he's not giving us any tangible answers. Nothing tangible here. Just, hey, things are happening. And it sounds like a lot of people aren't happy with the church anymore. And they're not going to support it. Um, he goes on to say, who's going to survive? Those who have courage to think, look, and function outside the box, those who cast off pure dependence on others, blind dependence upon a church, or expect God to make ministry easy. Jesus has always led his missional saints into tension of kingdom life and kingdom provision. The gospel came to us through a church of barely paid and non-paid saints. We can once again recover the beautiful freedom that will bring the gospel to the next epoch of history. The bank or our model of church isn't the only thing broken. But this isn't just about the church or your ministry or calling. It's easily about you. Beyond the dollars and cents of ministry are hundreds of thousands of saints who really do want to serve the, uh, serve the world, but who now struggle to stay afloat. Treading water isn't just about financial survival. It's about spiritual survival. As we've, t- as we've talked to waves of leaders, both young and old, the pain of the church has gotten them close to shipwrecking their soul. How do I manage my true faith amidst the lies I've seen in the organized church? How do I live faithfully after Christ without pandering to the consumer whims of the next or the of the next cruise ship to go down? So in other words, like there, there's people who have been hurt by the church and they're tired of it. And then there's others that are tired of trying to please all of the consumers to give them what they want. Because 
I think the, the, the average church member is much more consumer minded. They're like, give me what I want. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. You don't. I'm not going to give you a dime. In fact, I'll take my dime, take it somewhere else. I don't know how you survive in that mentality. I mean, I get emails a lot of times from people. I am never listening to your podcast again. All right, well, thank you for telling me that. I'm not going to support you. Okay, thank you. I'm, I'm, thank you so much for telling me that. Why? Because I said something they did not like. I said something they did not want to hear. Well, if all we're going to do is just go find places where we, I don't even know why we want to go anywhere. If all you want to do is hear what you want to hear, just say it to yourself. These and a hundred other deep questions cause the present and future leaders of the church to question their very calling. We were sold a bill of goods that told us if we would preach well, organize staff, and run weekend programs, we would be honored, respected, followed, and provided for. But none of that is true. The skills that once gave us meaning have left us yearning for more. But where do we go to learn the new skills and the new way of life for God's legitimate leaders? I may fail to deliver, but it's my heart to try to provide at least a start for you to rethink your vision, renew your faith, restore your heart, and reimagine and even uh, and uh, and reimagine a fruitful and even fun life of serving uh, the King, the King of Glory. Now, this article was adapted from a book called Bivo, a modern day guide to bivocational saints. So in other words, his answer is pastors are going to have to stop looking to the church for their financial support. They're going to have to be bivocational. They're going to have to go work. So then, because once, look, if you're working and you're not completely dependent upon the church, one, the church doesn't have much leverage over you then, right? That person can can threaten you and you can be like, yeah, threaten me all you want. What are you going to do? You're not paying my salary. I got another job. You're barely helping me out. So what are you going to do? Right? And which I, I'm, in some ways, I'm kind of glad I was bivocational because I, because nobody could really hold it. I'm like, what are you going to do? You don't even pay me because for many years, I didn't take a dime, right? I, until the church basically, you know, forced me to take, uh, you know, my house payment, which I'm glad they have. I mean, that's been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life is them making my house payment. That's, that it ha- really has been. I can't even tell you because I, that's, that's what ultimately led me no, to no longer being bivocational is them paying my house payment. That was the, that was the greatest thing they ever did. Uh, so I'm grateful. For, I, I'm scared to death now of losing that because I, I would hate to have to now go back and get another job. And be, I, don't, I don't know if I could go back to being bivocational. It's just, it's too much, in, uh, at least at this point in my life. But so I'm glad for that. But, but I'm telling you that bivocational model, that sounds great. But let me tell you, people don't care. People don't care that you're working 40 hours a week or more at another job. They don't care. They want you to come to church. They want activities. They want you to do this. They want you to do that. You better answer their emails. You better do this. You better do that. And you better preach what they want. And your sermons better be good or they're going to leave you. And they don't care that you're bivocational, barely hanging on. They don't care. They're leave. They don't care if the church is going to All they care about is themselves. So I don't know if bivocational is the future. Now, he seems excited about it, like, hey, this is the new way forward. 
The new way forward is bivocational ministry. Yay! Because, hey, that whole idea that if you preach and you do this and you do this, the church is going to take care of you, those days are over. Those days are done. Because the people now are not going to give. They're, they're sick of the church. They're tired of the church. And they don't want to support that box. And they don't want to support. Maybe, to me, that's the bigger issue. So their answer is, hey, hey, you can no longer expect to be supported. So go get support somewhere else from a job. Well, wait a minute. If the people are kind of done supporting the box. <laughs> well, don't, don't we have bigger issues? Because if they don't support the box financially, they probably won't support the box with their attendance. So once your, once your attendance drops, then you know what starts happening. Or at least, I mean, this was going on, going on forever. If not enough people show up on a Sunday night, they get rid of the Sunday night service. And if not enough people are showing up on a Wednesday night, they get rid of the Wednesday night service. I mean, if I followed that logic, I would just have Sunday morning because that's when most people show up at my church. I would just say, get rid of everything. We would just have Sunday morning. So I, I don't know if being bivocational may just work out the financial. Hey, church, I, I got good news for you. I've limited your financial burden by removing you paying my, my salary or paying most of my salary. I'm going to cut my salary in half and I'm going to go make up the other half by, with a job. Now, those people, they're still going to expect a full-time pastor. And they're still going to expect you to be having, you know, preaching all of those services. I, I, and the point is, they may not even show up. You may spend 14 hours preparing a sermon and they won't even bother to show up. I mean, like, there, there, there's, I don't know if this is the answer. I don't know if this is the answer, but they're saying something is changing. And I don't know if you think it is something. I, I don't have it figured out yet. I don't have it figured out. I just thought it was fascinating that this article showed up right in the midst of my situation. And I've heard from other of you where your church is having issues. Your churches are struggling. And it's like, well, okay, I'm not the only, what is happening? Something is going on. Something is going on. There's many churches that are thriving and they're, 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 they're the exception. And that's great. They're, 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 that's great that they're the exception. But the rest of us. Yeah. The rest of us. I don't know. And, 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 and this is all new for me because I've never had this problem. I mean, those of you who've listened to me long for a long term, I've always said like, I'm, no, we're, we, the, the church is going to support the podcast. And if they don't, it's going to go away. Well, now I'm in a situation where, well, <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Maybe it should just go away. Maybe it should just go. Like, you know, sometimes you have to think about that. But yeah, th th things are happening. I still believe that, that the transition away from the physical local building, this is, this is my strong feelings, the move away from the physical building and actually attending a church is going to make what we're doing right here even more necessary. People are going to look for spiritual food, not in a physical building. They're going to look 
on their phone and they're going to look TikTok, YouTube, podcast apps. They're going to look to, that's where they're going to look for spiritual food. And so you're going to have to get your content there. They're not going to, they're not, they're not calling me. People are not calling me to come to visit my physical church. If I get an email, it's about the podcast. It's not about the church. Nobody cares that there's a church. They care about the podcast. The number of people who listen to me on the podcast, you, you, it, it makes no, if you look at my church, really, you're like, you're done. You're finished. Just close down. What are you doing? You're, you're stupid. Don't just go away. But from that church, and it's because this podcast is still attached to it. So because of that church, this podcast, though, is reaching literally thousands of people per day, hundreds of people per hour. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because we put our podcast literally on every application on the on the planet. Now, hopefully we don't have to, you know, we're going to have to be reducing some of that, but that's because of finances. But the point is, even then, you don't know if people are going to support or give. So we got, we, there's a weird something happening. Now, this could all be exaggeration and hype. And it may not be as serious as this article makes it out to be. But this is a consultant who's written a book on the entire thing. His research tells him something's happening. We have the book that got all the attention in 2023 into 2024 about the great de-churching and how many people are leaving the church and how drastic church attendance is down and membership is down. And then we, we just had an article recently about the Church of Christ. I can't remember which branch of the Church of Christ. And five, they lost over like, what, 500 and something churches have closed down, like some staggering number. And you're like, something is happening. We will see. You, I want you to think what you think the future of ministry is going to look like. That's what I want you to figure out today. I just want you to think about that. I should have done this for today's focus. For today's focus, what I want you to focus on is, what do, what do you think the future of ministry is going to look like? Dealing with physical buildings, paid church staff, and money. And if you have any great answers, email them to me, News if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. I just realized we went 74 minutes. Okay. This was supposed to be a short broadcast because I was going to do something on the book of Obadiah because for our 21 day challenge in the minor prophet. So maybe we'll get to that later because, wow, I can't believe I just was on the air for that long. But that was a long article. And sadly, doesn't really, their, their great answer, when you realize this, this is obviously just a section of a book about bivocational, their great answer is, hey, pastor, go get a job. <laughs> I know you have a job, go get another job and have that job support you so that you can do this job for basically nothing. So then that job, the second job, the church job, they can't really control you and you, you don't have to really then be controlled and you don't have to try to appease the consumer and you don't have to just try to please people. You can then try to do ministry, 
which is crazy that you have to have another job so that you can try to then do ministry to Christians who supposedly want ministry until they get confronted with what they don't like. And then they say, peace out. We don't care if you, you know, starve. (laughs) So it's a weird dynamic. Now, maybe this dynamic has always existed. I am so grateful that for most of my ministry, one, I wasn't reliant on the church for a dime, so I could kind of say what I want. Two, the church, when they did start paying for my house payment, I never had to worry if we were going to have enough money. And we not only had enough money for them to pay my house payment, we had money to try. We helped anyone and everyone who asked for help. And we were giving away books all the time online and we were trying to provide curriculum. I am so grateful I got to live through all of that. Now times have changed for me. And it sounds like I'm not the only one. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.